Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formicella. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to learn from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical, sexy new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. Today, I'm talking about slowing things down in a relationship. In my studies as a breakup and dating coach, this is something I've read a lot about and studied. As a coach, I know for sure that it is something that people struggle to do, especially when there are lingering effects from a breakup. As a human myself, I know how easy it is to get caught up in the excitement of a new connection and want to just run with the feel goods. I've often said on the show that the relationship pattern that I most work to improve is that I love being swept off my feet. This has been the way that I have felt that I've most felt like the turn on in past relationships. And it's how it's, I've gotten excited about, about people. And it's also something that I know from experience and from doing this and from studying a lot that can lead to a lot of heartache. So today I'm telling you why you may want to go slow in dating and how to do it. All right. So like I said, I haven't always practiced what I preach. (laughs) I think this is what makes me a really great coach. I really do have experience kind of all over the place when it comes to dating and relationships. I was really young when I met my ex-husband and moved fairly quickly. Uh, We did wait three years to get married, but we moved in and merged completely within the first year. Looking back, I probably wouldn't even have thought to do it differently because of how I was raised. I was raised in a very strict Mormon community, and most of the people I knew um, who were married um, had gotten engaged and, and then married within the first six months. I am not kidding. I've known people to get engaged after the first month. I've known of one case where a couple got engaged after the first date. It's a, it's a cultural thing. So it was super normalized for me. So while we waited to get married in my mind at the age that we were marriage and commitment was something that I wanted and something that I thought we needed, even though we were so young, like college freshmen. And I I also saw that those who I knew, those who I had grown up with around me were doing it. And, you know, it was just a desire that I still had because I was so recently out of that community. And so, yeah, I, you know, I pushed for, you know, a full commitment as soon as I knew that we were 
somewhat of a match. We were very compatible in a lot of ways. And yeah, I'd probably do things differently if I could. <laughs> After my divorce, I had another lesson in the importance of taking it slow. I had a whirlwind relationship with someone who seemed to be a dream in the beginning and who turned out to be the most terrifying and abusive person I've actually ever known. And I do not say that lightly. I want you to know that. We moved really fast and so much so that I just felt really sucked in and too much so to really walk away um, by the time I realized that it wasn't a safe situation for me. If I knew what I knew about healthy relationships now, I don't think that he would have even seen me again or spoken to me again after probably the second week that I came in contact with him. All right? And I know that that is like a worst case scenario situation. <laughs> okay? So just because my situation was abusive doesn't mean that uh, you know if it's not abusive you should you should rush. I'm just saying, you know, this has happened to me. I know why it's important. And I also know that there are exceptions. Of course, every relationship is different. Every person's different. And I absolutely know of a small handful of quote, successful couples who have been together a very long time, who went really fast in the beginning, very fast. A couple of close friends of mine, I, you know, I think they hooked up on their first day and they're yeah, very happy many, many years later. I also know that these people happen to share the same values, have similar personalities, have, um, you know, had similar goals at the time, were compatible and had lots of chemistry and that all of these things still exist today. So I also consider them to be exceptions. I do. Um, so I'll stand by my opinion as a coach and a dating podcaster that it's typically better to take things slow. All right. When, uh, when we come on the podcast, we do need to kind of give quote blanket advice. And so this, this would be one of mine and it's not just because of my experience. So I've got a few reasons why you might want to take things slow. So number one. Um, I just want to get this out of the way. So I know I'm starting things off on kind of a negative note, but it's because um, I want to emphasize it while also um, putting it out there and then moving on. So sometimes, not always, sometimes it can be a red flag for, an, for abuse when the person you are dating attempts to push things really quickly. It's dangerous because an abusive person will often appear super romantic and appear to be super into you when in reality they are attempting to suck you in. They're attempting to see what you're going to allow them to do. I know this better than anyone. I thought my abuser was the most romantic man on earth. Within a couple weeks of meeting, we were talking every day, maybe even within a week, week or two. And this was at his insistence. He showered me with gifts and trips in the initial months, you know, sweeping me off to Vegas one weekend, you know, last minute. Um, super fun, super sexy. And he also became really demanding of my time. And I took it for affection, you know, like he just couldn't wait to talk to me again. He asked me to move in before we'd even been together six months. And once we were living together, I realized it wasn't the fantasy I thought it was. 
when things completely fell apart uh, over a year later, I started to do research into domestic violence, which is really interesting because guess what? I was a women's studies major and already had studied a lot on domestic violence. I'd worked at shelters, but I wanted to learn about the psychology of the survivor and how I had gotten wrapped up in something that was so uh, dangerous. And I was uh, really amazed at how depressingly casebook, textbook, my relationship had been and what a textbook example of an abuser my ex was. I mean, he checked every single box of things to watch for. And I also learned that abusive individuals will often try to move really quickly in dating. They might say things like, you're the only person who gets me. Have you heard that? I've never felt this way before. And make a play for a lot of commitment in the early weeks and, you know, initial months. It may be exciting, but it can also be a sign that a person is attempting to exert control over your life, that they are seeing how wide they can stretch your boundaries, that they don't respect that you have a life outside of them, and that they are attempting to experiment with isolating you from your network, right? I could go on and on about this. It is great to get excited about meeting someone new, I, I completely still think that to this day, but we are adults. We need to do things in the right way when it comes to relationships. Even if you're super into someone, if they start pushing for a serious relationship early on, it's at least something to look at. I know it doesn't necessarily mean they're abusive, but you need to examine it a bit, All right? You need to maybe see what they think about slowing things down and taking steps to get to know each other more before becoming exclusive, right? How they respond may tell you exactly what you need to know about whether or not it's a good idea to keep exploring things. If they get angry and say, oh, screw you, you must not like me, um, that's going to tell you a lot, right? So two reasons to take it slow. You must, must, must have time for conflict to make an appearance in the relationship. If you get too invested and then find out what a jerk they can be, it can be harder to walk away. Again, I know this from personal experience. I was amazed at how belittling and degrading my ex could be. Or how dismissive he could be when I tried to have very calm conversations with him about how he acted uh, when he was hungover. He's also an alcoholic and he was a nightmare to be around the next day after he would drink. We had merged our lives together so much by that point that I found it difficult to, to walk away. I moved really quickly with the last um, man I dated. I sometimes refer to him as laundry boy. And um, that was because I, I knew by that time that it was best to take relationships slow. In fact, in my relationships, you know, in the previous years before I met or before I got with him, I had taken things really slow. So much so that, you know, the men I dated would complain. <laughs> but in this case, I kind of had this false sense of security. 
because we had been friends. Like I'd actually known him for a few years before we became a couple. And so I was, you know, we went from zero to 60, just, you know, kind of immediately once we kind of discovered that we had this, this connection. So all that being said, one of the first times we argued, he started mimicking my facial expressions as I was trying to talk to him about um, the, the conflict, about the disagreement. I was shocked. And I really wish I would have known how nasty he could be before I went to stay with him in London for an entire month. So some people are completely lovely when there's no conflict to deal with. But conflict can be extremely threatening to some people. Those who desire healthy relationships and are able to be self-reflective can learn over time how to handle conflicts in a mature way. You know, sure, it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in everyone. It's not something that we want, but you can learn how to cope with it in ways that don't make it worse, in ways that don't unnecessarily hurt the other person. But for others, it brings out their absolute worst side, and they may feel as though they will sacrifice too much to learn about their patterns or unproductive communication. You need to know this about someone. Write this down. When someone shows you a side of themselves that you don't like, that is their side. That is the person you will have to live with if you move forward. That is what you will be coping with when there are disagreements. Not everyone is a complete jerk when they are uncomfortable because of conflict. I know this for a fact. Some people are. And how do you know? By experiencing it. This is not likely to happen in the initial weeks or even months of a relationship. And why is that? (laughs) This brings me to point number three, the ever-present honeymoon phase of a relationship. You know how Claire and I love to make sure that people are aware of the honeymoon phase. That's because awareness of this relationship dynamic can prevent a lot of heartache down the line. So I know that we have new listeners all the time. I bet we've got a bunch listening. So let me provide a little refresher here. The honeymoon phase is the initial phase of a relationship when both people are putting on their best. It happens after it becomes clear how much chemistry a couple has, and then they kind of decide to, quote, move move forward, explore things. Each is trying to impress the other. Things are happy and fun. You know, everyone's excited about the connection. It feels great. There are tons of happy hormones flowing due to the physical attraction and probably the amount of sex that a new couple has. Both people are happy and hopeful about the future. This is the honeymoon phase. Every relationship goes through it. Unfortunately, um, many couples will find a, you know, a really beautiful groove and stay together once it ends. But the honeymoon f- period always comes to an end. And then it becomes kind of more of navigating life together in the actual reality of life. (laughs) Counselors and experts agree that the honeymoon phase can last for a few months, but somewhere between like a few months and up to two years. 
I know this can probably be a bit frustrating, you know, if you're trying to make a decision about a relationship, you know, do I have to wait two years? Well, I'm not necessarily saying you have to wait two years to make a decision, but it's probably a good idea to wait for some real life shit to start happening in your lives before, you know, deciding to move in together, before deciding that you can't live without them, you know, merging your lives, getting married, that sort of thing. Because what happens? After a year, uh, you may have a family emergency. And then you notice for the first time that the other person isn't really all that helpful or supportive. I've heard of this. That's, you know, not something that you want to live with forever. Or one of you may lose a job and the other person can't handle the stress or the one who loses their job just, you know, has a meltdown. You know, you may have changes to your schedule and sleep and see that that alone causes a divide. You know, things may be all fine and dandy when you're just um, each working part time or each nine to five. But if that changes, you might not be able to hold it together. Overall, you may also find that the little things that you looked past before during the honeymoon phase are now huge issues that you find quite annoying. It is in this stage of the relationship that you discover and choose how much you want to work through and how much of this you don't. And if you haven't fully merged your lives yet, it can be much, much easier to make the calls that you need to make about the relationship. Even if taking it slow is, you know, just kind of a mental thing for you and you realize that it's still a young relationship a year in. Number four, getting caught up in the moment can be a really dangerous thing. It's exciting, yeah, but not necessarily the, re- the makings of a healthy, long-lasting relationship. Many relationships that move fast are built on lust and fantasy. They're with two people who have a lot of physical chemistry. They're moving quickly because both parties are idealizing each other and the future they could have together. Fantasy is not a good foundation for a relationship. People are never, ever the idealized version we have in our minds of them. Never. Life is never a fantasy, especially when it comes to the life that two people build together in the real world. Even if a person isn't, you know, abusive, like my situation, it's possible that they might be presenting themselves in a way that's not representative how, of how they, you know, quote, really are. So you'd, you probably know the sentiment. Um, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Taking things slow will help you see which part of the fairy tale you can expect to have in the relationship and which parts you can't. Above all, it is important to take things slow in relationships because you deserve to have a beautiful relationship that ticks most of your boxes. Do you even have boxes? You should. (laughs) Because you deserve to have someone that you have, you know, amazing chemistry with, but that you also have amazing compatibility with. Please head over to episode 35, where Claire and I discuss the differences between chemistry and compatibility and how important it is to have both in your relationship. 
Before you start dating again, it is important that you are really clear with yourself on what you want out of your dating experience and out of your relationships. You need to look at your needs, wants, and desires. You need to know what your deal breakers are. You need to be clear on your preferences for much, for pretty much every aspect of how you live and how the other person lives. This can range from table manners to whether or not a person has or wants kids or has kids. That could be one as well. The more clear you are before you start out, the more satisfied you will be with your experience and the more likely you will get what you want. And the more clear you are or the clearer you are, I don't know. I'm going to say the more clear you are. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. The longer your list will be and the more time you will need to see if this person checks the boxes. You know what? This can be a fun part of dating too. So, you know, it's not all about having a significant other. You know, this can be a, a, you know, a journey to enjoy. Some compatibility issues don't show up until you've gotten to know someone for several months, maybe a year, and again, maybe till the end of the honeymoon phase. So keeping things flexible can really help you create confidence in a relationship because you can mentally go through and think about your boxes and know whether or not this person is ticking them, whether or not the way that you two operate is ticking them. It also helps us see things for what they are and have perspective when sex and connection begin to cloud our judgment with a new person. This absolutely happens. It's hard to admit, but it does happen. Well, I've made my case for why it is prudent to take a relationship slow, but how do you do it? I know that this is tricky. I work with people on this kind of a lot. I've been asked this a lot, even recently. Uh, Does it just mean dating and sleeping with a bunch of people and seeing what happens? Does it mean not allowing yourself to have feelings? Does it mean just not moving in together too soon? You know, what, you know, does that all mean that I'm taking it slow? I think, like I said before, that you can really enjoy dating and enjoy the new relationship while also protecting your heart and your life, all right? That's something to keep in mind is that this is not just making sure that you don't end up with a broken heart. A relationship that goes sour, if you get to enmesh with one another, it can fuck up your life. (laughs) I know I'm being really dramatic, but it's true. All right, Um, that's why you need to be mindful. Here are some of the tips I work with my coaching clients on when attempting to take things slow in dating. Number one, space out the dates. This may seem so obvious, but think about it. How many times have you been really into someone or the other way around and dates went from one to multiple, you know, multiple times a week in less than less than a month? There's really nothing wrong with seeing someone new just every few weeks. And I'd say once a week at the most. right? Let the anticipation build. Let yourself continue with your life and the other person do the same. Respect one another's outside worlds. Meet other people and make an informed decision. Don't just run with the first person you feel a connection with. 
Oh, and yeah, I wanted to say this also means not spending, you know, days on end with a person in the very beginning. I know I've done it. I've known so many people who, you know, have had that great first or second date and then spent the, you know, the entire weekend together. I don't know. I, I, I would say not to make it a habit in the early days. Number two, this is tricky, but I want to put it out there. Space out the communication. And listen, this isn't about playing it cool or playing games. This is a common sense dating tactic to make sure that you don't get too connected before you've gotten a chance to know someone. Do not operate as though you and this other person are obligated to stay in touch after only a few dates. And certainly not before a few dates. No. I have mentioned before on this show that one of the biggest ways to turn me off in a dating situation is to text me the next morning after a first date and ask me how I slept or how I am. This is because of the obligation factor when I barely know someone. You know, I think, why are they texting me, you know, as one of the first things they do in the morning? And also, like, this is what a couple would do. You know, this is something that your partner would do in the morning, asking you how you are, not someone you've just gone on one date with. To me, that's moving too fast. All right. However, I have had more than one female friend say that they would actually be flattered if someone did this and might like the next, the first date morning after text. So my response is that just because you like it, still doesn't mean that you should be doing it. As a guideline, I think it's a bad move. I'm not saying play games. I'm saying that you really have no reason to do check-ins and speak constantly with a person you are just barely getting to know. Number three, don't get carried away with the fantasizing. Mm. Early love and attraction. Oh, I know how good it feels. Feels amazing to enjoy being in someone's arms and picturing the future. Like, after all, isn't that why we're dating in the first place? Doesn't it feel so good to connect with someone and then start thinking that everything you've always wanted is right in front of you? Or to get excited about the amazing things you will do together? Yep, it sure does feel good. It can have some kind of addictive qualities. And it's important to recognize when this is happening and then use that as a sign to kind of just step back, take a look at things, and not get too wrapped up in all of the daydreaming. When we start to create a future with someone, we also start to form expectations as to how they will fulfill their role in the scenario. We begin to idolize the person. We can very quickly begin to lose sight of reality. And sometimes this can show up in negative ways as we are courting and dating. And it could definitely cause us to move more quickly than we should. So I had a um, experience with this a few years ago. I was dating a really, really lovely and magnetic man who I loved spending time with. Just being around him felt great. Amazing physical chemistry. 
I actually was the one who kissed him the first time. <laughs> and in the initial two or three weeks of dating slash being together, I was home one night on what was meant to kind of be a night off for me. I rarely did that at the time, but I kind of had this urge to, you know, kind of veg out and watch some TV one night, um, you know, and I wasn't planning on seeing him, you know, he knew all of this. So at one point he texts and said he wanted to stop by to, as he put it, you know, tuck me in and say good night. Now I resisted this. I wasn't planning on seeing anyone. And he actually gave me a really hard time. You know, he actually said that he felt like he should be able to, to do that. Mm, so I laughed it off despite being, you know, a little put off to be honest. And not even two weeks later, we're planning on hanging out one Saturday night after I had spent the day with some friends on an outing that was quite important to me, like something that we had planned for a couple months. So at one point during the day, he started texting and just like asking a bunch of questions about where I was, when I was going to be there, what we were going to do. I mean, we had kind of a loose plan of that he was going to... Um, rock up when I, when I got home. So I, you know, it was lunchtime and I was with a bunch of people. And so, you know, I answered some texts, which I really didn't want to do, to be honest. Um, and I, you know, I said that I would just need to get back to him a little later. I think I might've even said like when we stopped for lunch or when we were on our way back. So, and again, he gave me a really hard time and he was, uh, I remember he was really critical of my ability to quote, woo a man. Uh, so this didn't go over very well <laughs> with me <laughs> and I wasn't as forgiving as the first time around. And I just completely canceled our plans. I, I said, you know, like, I don't want to hang out with you at all tonight. I'm not necessarily saying that was the best move on my part, but you know, th that's what I did. So we did meet in person the next day and I let him know how, um, you know, that had made me felt that it was supposed to be a special day for me that, you know, I didn't want to be sitting there and texting with, you know, five or six other people that I was trying to enjoy my time with. Um, and you know what? He admitted that he had gotten way too caught up in the fantasy of what he wanted to go on between us and that it had caused him to get over anxious. He said he had been thinking about getting in place together, having kids, and that he had kind of lost touch with reality. This was probably a month in, all right? So keep perspective. Relationships are meant to marinate. You know, if the connection is as strong as you think it might be, it's worth giving it time. The connection will grow and you don't have to make it happen all now. Number four, do different things together. This is also a tip that Claire and I gave on episode 35 about chemistry and compatibility. If you are really feeling it with someone, rather than getting into the habit of going out to eat together every Friday night or, you know, getting into uh, the habit of, you know, hanging out at your place all the time because that feels good and you both enjoy it, take the message that you're feeling it with someone and then move into thinking about different things you can do with this person, new things you can do with this person. Not only will this help you space out the dates, you got to plan stuff, right? It will also help you to see that this is a match before you get too carried away with trying to push the relationship before you really know them. So 
plan dates during the day, go to different parts of town, do something that's new for both of you. You know, go to a wine tasting on a Friday afternoon and then next weekend see live music on Saturday evening. Mix it up, baby. Get an actual feel for the person. So I will say for me, I guess this would be something even that I would consider a stretch because you know what? I love going out to eat. I love going to fancy bars. I would be happy to just do that all the time with my friends and lovers. But I also know that these are, you know, fairly flattering um, scenarios for a lot of people. So I, if I was serious with someone, I would, you know, try and kind of step outside my comfort zone, mix other things in there with it. All right. Number five ways to take it slow. Wait to have sex. Oh boy. This is a tricky one for me to even talk about because there's just no black and white rule for this. And also I love sex. I think that sex is very important when it comes to dating and getting to know someone. So I'm not saying, you know, hold off too long or wait three months, wait one month, three dates. I'm just saying to think it through. If it's someone that you really like, perhaps wait until you can have a discussion about what it means rather than, you know, rushing into it on the first or second date because you're, you know, feeling it and you're tipsy and you know what I'm saying. Perhaps wait until you know that you are able to have a sexual experience with someone without it clouding your judgment or wait until you are able to separate sex from the fantasy of a future with this person. Sex can cloud our judgment. It can help to create expectations out of the other person and it can bond us with someone before we're really ready. So just be intentional about it. When you do have sex, be honest with yourself about the fact that it's still early days and it does not necessarily mean you need to fuse with this person or move things from casual to committed. You know, enjoy it for what it is, basically. Number six, ways to actually take things slow in relationships and dating. Ooh, people, it's tough love time. My final rule is to be an adult and face reality. (laughs) All right, no haters, please. Relationships are not fairy tales. Even the healthiest relationships take work, and all couples have struggles of one kind or another. People are flawed. Someone you may, who you may have an amazing uh, physical connection with may end up having some life complications that you don't want or need in your life. Dating is meant to be fun. And regardless of how, quote, right it feels, it is still a choice to move forward. Having self-control will not only serve you well in dating, it will probably make you a stronger person overall. So keep perspective. Allow yourself to explore things with multiple people. Allow yourself to see red flags or simply things that don't align with what you want. 
Okay. Not everything has to be this glaring red flag or a sign that someone is toxic. It could just not be the match that you desire. Allow yourself to put on the brakes when you feel excited and also when you start to see that maybe as excited as you were, the relationship just isn't the ideal one for you. I know that some of this can kind of suck to hear after a breakup or once you're starting to date again. Yeah, I do get that. I hear it a lot. A lot of people want to repair their hearts by enjoying being in the arms of someone new and don't want to hear that taking it slow may be best. A lot of people are feeling disappointment after a breakup because they really want a relationship in their life. So, you know, you might be listening to this podcast on breakups and, you know, broken hearts and moving on. And, you know, now I'm saying to go slow. I get that. And it's really easy to ignore suggestions like mine when you really long for companionship. So, you know, use what I've said as guidelines for your dating life. Try it out, experiment with some things. And above all, just please make sure that you put yourself and your future first. All right. I would really love to hear from you. I appreciate you so, so much for tuning in. If you liked my take, find me on Instagram at Janice Formichella, spelling in the show notes, and let me know what you think. If you are interested in getting out there and starting to date again, or looking to up your dating game, or date with more intention, My coaching calendar does currently have openings for dating coaching. I would be so thrilled to support you on your romantic journey, honestly. All right. Thank you once again, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formichella. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message on Instagram at breakupspodcast or email me at breakupspodcast at gmail.com and I will be in touch to get you started. Remember, if you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.